Today, on Baptism Sunday, uh, we're watching people go down into the water, dying to their old life, and coming up out of the water with this new life. And baptism is a visible declaration of this beautiful beginning to a relationship. It's a relationship, a relationship with the living God. So Samay and Arman and Naomi are now declaring that they are born again into a new relationship with the living God. And at the heart of relationship is communication, prayer to the living God. And so today I want to talk about prayer. You'll know that we've done seven weeks in the Jesus Revolution series. Last week, my thanks to Pastor Rob for for preaching on Esther. Next week, we begin four weeks of Advent as we're preparing to celebrate Jesus and the birth of Jesus. So today was, was, was an odd Sunday. It was a baptism Sunday, but it's kind of a one-off in terms of topics. And as I was trying to pray and think about what God would say, um, I wanted to see that link between prayer and baptism, that prayer is the heart of relationship, this new relationship we have with the living God. One day... Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, you're here. You're in this room. We are watching you change lives. We are watching you uh, do miraculous things. And we love you. And we thank you that you're here and that you're moving. And I lift up all of my friends who are feeling dry, weary, discouraged. God, show us how to pray. Show us what communication with you can truly look like. Show us what intimacy looks like with you. And we pray that you would give us eyes to see and that you would call us to this beautiful life that you have for us, walking in relationship with you. Lord, teach us to pray. Amen. I don't know if you have um, uh, kids in the room. I just want to see, is, is, are any of my kids in the room? Okay, I'm going to tell a little story about my son. So I just want to see if, how I would chat with him after the service about this. Because <laughs> he's so cute. And he knows he said something kind of funny. But let me just, let me just say this. I, okay, if you have like a four, you know, three, four, five, six, seven-year-old, something like that, younger kid, when you have them in your life, and they want to tell you something they're discovering or learning, you know, what's your posture at that point when they, when they start to tell you something, right, that they're learning? What's your posture? I, I, think it's, I, think it's, I think it's this. Yeah, tell me. Tell me all about it. Tell me about volcanoes. Tell me, tell me about, you know, soccer. Or tell me about, like, you're learning about coins or money or something like that. Or, like, tell me about world capitals or something like that, you know? You're leaning in, I think. And if you're not, that's Okay. Breathe deep. <laughs> you got this. <laughs> but, I, but I think, you know, I think our posture is leaning in and we're listening and we're, we're excited to watch these little kids discover the world. Um, and we care about what they're talking about this last week. So my son was, um, uh, he, he's getting some of his, his, his numbers uh, backwards. So um, he'll write them backwards and he'll also switch the digits. So if it's like, if the teacher says write 45, he'll write 54. It's like write 32, he'll write 23. And so um, he told us, he said, yeah, all the other kids went to play at their PlayStations, but I had to fix my, I had to fix my numbers. And I'm like, oh, buddy, sorry about that. Uh, but, but, he's, but then he said, he's like, yeah, but I got one right. It was 11. 
<laughs> I was like, man, I'm proud of you. You got 11 right. That was good. It's tricky, right? Whew. Which one are you going to put in front of which one? Um, but I care. And I, think, and I think we as parents or, you know, grandparents or aunts and uncles, we're, we're leaning in, right? We're like, I care about this. And I wonder if as, I, as we begin here to talk about prayer is if you could see that posture of the Father towards you, right? And as you begin to think, I don't think so. I don't think God wants to listen. I don't think God is listening. Um, I don't have a great track record with prayer and with answered prayer for sure. And I wonder if God's like kind of distant, but could the picture of the Father be one of just attentive to you today? That will change how you pray. And so we pray, Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. If you have your Bible, would you turn to Matthew chapter 6? We're going to read verses 5 to 8. Matthew 6, 5 to 8. This is Jesus. He's in the, it's in the Sermon on the Mount. He's gathered his followers on a hillside, and he's teaching them all about the kingdom of God. He's teaching them about what life looks like when God is king. And he teaches them to pray. And he's going to warn them. I love this passage because he's going to warn them about religious leaders, religious leaders like me, like pastors. This is ancient, you know. Warn them. Don't pray like that. Here's how I want you to pray. So Jesus says this. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand praying in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they receive their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So this is the word of the Lord. So as we listen to Jesus in Matthew 6, here is how Jesus is asking us to pray. Find a quiet place, then keep it simple, keep it honest, and keep it going. Some of you who have taken the Alpha course will recognize this phrase, right? Keep it simple, keep it honest, keep it going. It's part of the Alpha course, but it's actually a phrase that's used in the book, How to Pray, by Pete Gregg. Uh, Pete Gregg is a, is a pastor in England, and he wrote this great book that's been very helpful to me, How to Pray. It's very simple, and he follows this outline. Find a quiet place, keep it simple, keep it honest, keep it going. So I'm going to use that as a template today to talk about prayer. So first of all, find a quiet place. And when I say that, all of you are like, we're out. <laughs> there is no quiet place. It, you cannot find a quiet place. A lot of people will joke. I've heard multiple people joke about uh, how we haven't been bored since the 1980s, right? Like, when was the last time you didn't have your phone with you when you were bored and checking some sports score or checking some news event or whatever? When was the last time you were on like a long road trip and you didn't have your phone and you didn't have like a distraction and you had to stare out the window and look at trees or posts go by, counting posts, right? <laughs> it's been a long time. It's been a long time. And we, it's hard to find a distraction-free place. It just is. We live in a very noisy, distracted world. Just think about it. The iPhone came out in 2007. So unless you're 15 years old or younger, you can remember, vaguely, a time before an iPhone, 
right? But that time is like ancient history when we think we couldn't have the weather immediately, right? Or being able to FaceTime someone immediately. At any moment, you and I can be texting coworkers, we can be checking emails, reading the news, tuning our guitars with apps on our phone, uh, listening to the most recent episode of the podcast you love, listening to the new album of the artist that you love, uh, FaceTiming your family and who knows where, and you can do all of it before breakfast, right? It's unreal. We live in an unreal moment in history. And if you're not struggling with your smartphone and feeling kind of great about yourself, how's TV going for you, right? How is just scrolling the internet on your desktop computer? How are magazines, movies, novels that we can get lost in, right? So much of our entertainment world and news world and all of it is wonderful. Like it's amazing gifts. I'm not up here to like denounce those things, right? At all. Like it's great. Like we live in the information age. But so much of it, everything can be so distracting. We are, here it is, swimming in distraction, right? That's the image of it. We're just swimming in distraction. And in an age like this, we need to hear the words of Jesus more than ever. So this is how he says to pray. He says this, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what's done in secret, secret, will reward you. Ah, so practical, right? Go into your room. Close the door. Find a quiet place. What I love here is that Jesus is encouraging us to take a mini retreat within our own house, right? Take, go, on off, go on a retreat. Find a quiet place. You need it. What would it look like for you and I to do more unplugging in our life? If I want to be healthy, I unplug from what I do to exercise. I carve out the time because we make time for the things that we value. So could we carve out time to pray? What if I turned off my phone, turned off the television, turned off the to-do list? Right, It's always there. And, and we unplug and we spend some quiet time with Jesus in solitude, distraction-free, in the presence of our Creator. I, I, I love um, the band The Small Town Poets. Tanya and I both grew up with a lot of contemporary Christian music. If you're not sure what that is, in the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, it was a big deal, right? Lots of Christian artists. And there's a song by The Small Town Poets that I think of he says, and he talks about his closet being this place of prayer, you know, where he can talk to the prophet, the priest, and the king. His closet is a place of prayer. I love that. This is what Jesus is describing. What would that look like in your life? You know, COVID sent us deep into an addiction to screens, right? Many of us picked up, including myself, bad habits around the amount of screen time that we're used to. We were isolated, we were a bit more lonely, we kind of pulled back, and so we went to screens, right, to be able to stay connected. But how can we pull back from some of those bad habits around screens? I love how Eugene Peterson trans or paraphrases Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount. He writes this, he says, here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God and you'll begin to sense his grace. 
You know, this is hard for all of us, but I think it's especially hard for parents with young children. And if you're a parent here with young children, this is the moment where I validate your experience. Feel known and heard, listened to, right? You are going through one of the hardest moments, I think, in finding a quiet place. So creativity is the name of the game. I've shared this story with you before a number of years ago, but some of you know the story of Susanna Wesley. Uh, 250 years ago, she was, she's the mother of John Wesley and Charles Wesley. They went on to be part of a really significant revival in Europe and, and, and in North America. And, but uh, they're British family. And Susanna Wesley, she was a pastor. She was a leader. She really loved the Lord. And she had 10 children. And uh, she was determined to find a quiet place in her busy home. And so what she told her children, she said, when mom is under the apron, you will not talk to me. <laughs> So middle of the house, a lot of, lot of stuff going on. She would go under her apron and she would have her Bible and she would pray, right? She found a quiet place. It was her prayer closet. And she left a powerful legacy of prayer for her children. And so parents of young children, just know uh, God, I think, will meet you with some creative options. Uh, hey, maybe it's the Sus Susanna Wesley option. Maybe it's something different. But just say, Lord, could you show me in this busy season how I can find a quiet place amidst all that's happening? And some of you might say, Matthew, it seems like you're really focused on this one time, but all of life is prayer. I pray when I'm commuting to work. I pray when I'm getting the groceries. I pray on the golf course. I pray very specifically for certain things to happen on the golf course, but I'm living a life of prayer. And I just want to say, I celebrate that. That's awesome. You sh we should. We should always pray. Um, live a life of prayer, right? These moments can be very prayerful throughout the day. But I, I do think it's a both and. I think there's something important about what Jesus is asking us to do is to go into a closet, find a quiet place, and listen, distraction-free. You know, you're just listening to your father. So there's something important about getting away and carving out that time. You know, I think when we do that, so much of our heart gets reoriented to God. It gets recalibrated. And our days are different because of it. Blaise Pascal once said, all of humanity's problems stem from our inability to sit quietly in a room alone. Now, you may agree or disagree with that, but think about it. You spend a quiet moment in a room alone, and you begin to think. You think about your actions. And we as Christians, we, we sit in a quiet room alone before God. And we go, God, would you retune my heart? Tune my heart, right? Would you recalibrate I'm coming, I'm coming disappointed. I'm coming angry. I'm coming disillusioned. I'm coming bitter. And we allow the king of kings to recalibrate our heart in a quiet place. So I think some of the things that God wants to do in our heart can only happen in a quiet place. Jesus did it. He carved out the time. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And if we're apprenticed to Jesus, we want to do what he did. He's the master teacher. He's the one who calls us to be disciples. He's going to shape our life to look like his. And if he would wake up early while it is still dark to pray, then he's calling you and I to do the same. And it's not legalism, it's invitation. Come, be, be in the presence of the Father who's leaning in, listening. He wants to hear from you. We want to pray the way Jesus prayed. And when we find a quiet place, we'll begin to sense his grace. Okay, 
So step one, find a quiet place. Then keep it simple, keep it honest, keep it going. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Listen to Jesus. He says, when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Oh man, I love that line, babbling like pagans. I love that. I, here's, it has nothing to do with this sermon. I challenge you sometime this week to use that in a sentence. Just randomly at work, just say, those politicians are babbling like pagans. Just use it. You'll just, you'll smile to yourself and you'll give yourself a point, a life point. Check. Boom. Sometimes I feel like I need a certain passion, right, for God to hear me. Uh, or, or a certain amount of words, like volume of words, right? Or a certain technique for God to hear me. A yelp, a yodel, a duck call, hocus pocus, something like that. But you know, the idea behind magic is that you have to say the right words, right? You have to say the right words. With, without the right words, the magic won't work. But I hope you see in Jesus, when he calls us to prayer, that we're not practicing magic here. We're not practicing magic. It's not about the right words or the many words. This is a relationship with the living God who hears you, who's leaning in. He's interested. He wants to know your heart. He wants to know about you and your day and your feelings and how you're doing. He's leaning in like a father to a child. And we're not going to be heard for our many words. You see that? Jesus is saying, you know, there's certain kind of people praying they think they're going to be heard because of their many words, long prayers, right? The idea amongst Israel's neighbors, this is really interesting, the Canaanites, the Canaanites worship the god Baal, B-A-A-L, Baal. And Baal, I don't know if you know this, he was always sleeping. He was always napping. He always had to be awoken from sleep. And so what do you do? You pray lots of words really loud right? Wake him up from his nap. Sometimes we see example, one example of this in the Bible is where they, people are cutting themselves to get his attention, trying to wake him up. And I mean, this is a very human experience. I don't blame the Canaanites for thinking that's what God is like, because sometimes it's like, is God listening to me? Did he hear me? Is he there? Is he awake? Right? But Jesus is revealing to us actually what God is like. God is a loving father. He's always been listening. You don't have to wake him up from a nap. He's, he's awake. He loves you. and He's leaning in, right? And he's calling us to pray simple prayers to our Father. You know, sometimes I know that some of us in the room have encountered painful conversations with people who we were praying, and then we kind of wonder, did we pray the right way? Because an answer to prayer didn't come. Or something happened and we were praying for someone to be healed and they weren't healed. We were praying for the new job and it never came, right? We were praying for reconciliation and reconciliation didn't happen. And then we, you know, there's two options at that moment. We get disappointed with God, angry with God, or we wonder if we prayed the right way. And there's certain kind of Christians, there's certain tribes of Christians who might suggest that you prayed the wrong way or you didn't pray with enough fervency or you didn't, you know, use the right words or something like that. And often when we hear that, you know, well, you didn't pray hard enough or you didn't pray the right way. You know, I prayed this way and, it, and God answered my prayers. You should try praying that way, right? And then you're like, it's, 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 it's painful, right? We've, we've felt that. We've heard that from Christians. I would love North Langley to be f f a 
a judgmental free zone when it comes to that kind of thing, right? That we would not say those kind of things to each other. Why? Because we have the confidence that the Father is listening. There's no hocus pocus here. He loves you. He's listening. Why did, not, why did God not answer prayers? I'm going to take the easy route here. That'll be a different sermon at a different time, okay? <laughs> I can't answer that today. Uh, don't know if we can answer that in this lifetime, right? Um, it's painful. It's painful. But the, but the solution is not, you know, uh, you know what we used to do to televisions with the antennas to try to get a signal? You know, sometimes I think I'm young, and then I do an example like this, right? So I'm like, man, maybe I'm not young anymore. Okay, okay, all right. But, you know, we moved around, the, like, the wires. Anyone with me? Come on. All right, thank you. Phew! The 9 a.m. has a few more gray hairs, so it's like, maybe they understand me. It's like, you know, you move around the antenna or something to get a signal. And we're like, well, that's what prayer's like. I'm just kind of have to, like, move it like I'm not getting a signal. You know, it's my fault. That's not it. That's not how Jesus describes prayer. And so we, we can come, we can come with, uh, with this assurance that the love of the Father is there. Now, I want to tell you, when we keep it simple, Jesus gives us a very simple model to pray. And this might sound like I'm going back on, you know, the, oh, well, now, Matthew, you're sharing a formula. Maybe there's a formula. Maybe I didn't pray the formula. No, no, no. Jesus is giving us, like, a very simple way of praying that you can use as like a template that's just helpful. It doesn't mean God is going to listen to you more if you pray the Lord's Prayer, but it, it, he gives us a way of praying. He gives us a model of praying that's really helpful. And just so that you know, it's, it's a great tool for you to use when you go into that quiet place, right? So you start off, our Father who art in heaven, and you go, ah, oh. and then you riff on that. You go, God, thank you, thankful that I have a Father. I love you. You know, thank you that you're there. And you're not a distant general, but you're a near father. You know, I love you. And then your kingdom come, your will be done. God, I want your kingdom. God, I want your will to be done in, in, in my wife's life and in my children's lives and in my friends' lives and in, in my church and in my neighbors. And would you come and there's this person who's hurting. Would you work in their life? And you just riff on that for a while. Your kingdom come, your will be done. You know, and you say, give us the stay our daily bread. Oh, okay. Man, high inflation. People are struggling. My neighbors are struggling to pay their bills. I pray that you would give them daily bread. You know, I, I, this person is, 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 you know, our own budget is struggling. Would you give us daily bread today? Would you feed us? People around the world who I know are hungry, God, would you move? You know, you see, you're just using it as a tool. Lead us not into temptation. Now, then you riff on that. You go, Lord, there are some things today. I know I'm going to be tempted um, to do some things that don't honor you. And so would you save me from temptation? Then deliver me from evil. God, I know the enemy is going to be at work in my life. And would you just bring your truth and speak truth into the lies of the enemy and blah, 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 blah. So you just use it as a template. Again, this template is not to get God to hear you more. It's Jesus loving you enough to go, hey, here's a model. Try this. This is a really simple way to pray. It's not all that long-winded stuff you see people do in the temple or on the street corners. It's simple. Keep it simple. All right, so find a quiet place, keep it simple. Now, number three, keep it honest. Keep it honest. Jesus says, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. Now, notice the word hypocrites. Some of you will know this comes from the Greek world. It's Greek plays, right? They have like the mask on. They're performing and they wear masks in a Greek play. And that's a hypocrite right? They love to be seen. It's a show, and they have a mask on. And 
As somebody who is a religious leader, myself, a pastor, I have to be, when I read these words, this is a, a strong warning to me. It's a strong warning. Because um, I have had many times um, where I'm praying on this stage and, or somewhere here in this building or something, I'm praying in public somehow. And I start praying and I start thinking about my words. I want the prayer to be eloquent and I want it to be meaningful and I want it to have a certain amount of scripture. And so then I'm just, I'm thinking through how I'm praying. And then I say, amen. And amen, whoa. And then I think, I didn't think about God at all. I thought about my words. I was hoping my words would sound eloquent, right? It's a mask. If I, if I trust that my father loves me, and that he wants me to be honest, um, then I come and I go, what do I honestly want for my friend that I'm praying for here? What do I honestly want? What do we, in all honesty, like, and praying out of that honest heart before the Lord, not like a hypocrite. Because biblical prayers are honest prayers. They're honest prayers. And sometimes we say we want to pray biblically. Well, let me show you what praying biblically looks like. Listen to Moses. This is Moses. He's praying to God. He says this, Why have you brought this trouble on your servant? What have I done to displease you so that you put the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth? If this is how you're going to treat me, please go ahead and kill me if I have found favor in your eyes and do not let me face my own ruin. Well, there you go. There's a template for a biblical prayer if you would like one, <laughs> Right? Or listen to Jeremiah. What does Jeremiah pray? This is to God, remember? He says, you deceived me, Lord, and I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. I'm ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. Wow. See, when I read the prayers of the prophets, they're honest, right? They're honest. There's no masks here. Does that look like a mask to you? <laughs> That's raw. It's real. And I know that there's a fine balance between dishonoring God and, and honesty, right? Like, there's a fine balance. But, but we come to the living God, and he already knows what's going on in our hearts, so we can come honest before him. And when we're frustrated with God, we're angry at God, we're disappointed with God, life is not turning out the way we wanted it to, it's not time to pull away. It's the opposite. It's time to double down in prayer. It's time to engage God in prayer. Because it's a relationship, and, and it requires honesty. And I just want to say, some of you are here today, and you're like, I, I don't know about following Jesus anymore. I don't know about this Christian thing. I'm kind of in my last number of weeks, just even I'm close to leaving or walking away or giving up on it. And you've been discouraged with Christianity or following Jesus. And I would encourage you that maybe God could hold you today. And that you could just come honest rather than turning away and piecing it. That you would actually turn towards God and lean in and pray prayers like Jeremiah and Moses. And you might find that God would meet you in that place in honesty. Flannery O'Connor is um, my favorite author. And she uh, is, I think, one of the best novelists of the 20th century. And she, she wrote a very honest prayer before God. She writes this, Dear God, I cannot love thee the way I want to. You're the slim crescent of a moon that I see, and myself is the earth's shadow that keeps me from seeing all the moon. 
What I am afraid of, dear God, is that my self-shadow will grow so large that it blocks the whole moon and that I will judge myself by the shadow that is nothing. I do not know you, God, because I am in the way. Wow, beautifully honest. Could we start our journey in prayer with some honesty? And here's what, how I would encourage you to start. What if you started just saying this, Lord, I don't desire you, but I want to. Lord, would you give me the desire to desire you? Lord, I'm coming dry, dry, <laughs> right? I don't even know why I'm here, but would you give me the desire to desire you, right? I think God will meet you in that place. Keep it honest. Find a quiet place, then keep it simple, keep it honest, and finally keep it going. This is my last point. Keep it going. I'm going to bundle three little verses in Jesus' words. He says this, verse 5, and when you pray, verse 6, but when you pray, verse 7, and when you pray, <laughs> Jesus assumes that his disciples, his apprentices, are going to be praying, right? Keep the prayer going. Keep it going. Even when your heart isn't there, even when you feel dry, keep it going. We know this principle, right? We know this idea. We do it when it comes to exercise. When we don't feel like it, we still show up to the gym. Okay, you still show up to the gym. I don't. Uh, <laughs> when you don't, you know, we, we get this idea. J.I. Packer has a book of, on prayer called Finding Our Way Through Duty to Delight. From Duty to Delight. And I'd suggest it's a little bit of a balance between duty and delight. And what I, what I don't want you to hear me argue for here is some kind of legalism, right? We've got to do it. You've got to set the alarm. You've got to wake up. That's not exactly it. It's, it's this duty-delight mix in, in there, right? That there's a sense in which, yeah, sometimes we go back to going, I know this is right for me. I know this is right for me, but I'm not doing this to earn God's love. That's the big difference, right? I'm not doing this to earn God's favor. I'm doing this to meet him there and to enjoy a relationship. And, and we see this sometimes in a marriage, right? This duty delight thing. We know that there is a duty in marriage. There is this sense in which we show up and we listen and we don't always feel like listening. And we practice forgiveness when we don't always feel like practicing forgiveness. And we give the benefit of the doubt when we don't always feel like giving the benefit of the doubt. And we are honest when we don't always want to be honest. And there's that, that duty thing. But we all know that those conversations, it's weird. It's like those moments are actually the ones that bring the deepest delight. That they're transformed. That God can transform those, those moments into great delight. And so I just use marriage, but apply it to a friendship, right? There are moments where you need to be honest. Forgiveness. Show up, right? Invest the time. And so there's this dance between duty and delight. And I think the same goes with prayer, with the living God. We got to keep going, keep the prayers going, even in those dry spells where you feel like, ah, oh, I'm not sure about this, but we come not to earn God's love, not out of legalism, but coming to meet the living God in prayer, to hear from him. Because you're not going to feel like it often. You're not going to feel like it. And we live in an age which is all about follow your feelings. Uh, but if we always follow our feelings, we're going to be all over the map. Um, Eugene Peterson says this, he says, without discipline, we're at the mercy of glands and weather and indigestion, and there's no mercy in any of them, right? <laughs> you want to talk about what you want to feel? If you're going to feel something, you're going to feel all kinds of stuff. I don't know. If you're like me, I don't know, feel all kinds of things all the time. 
But what Peterson is saying is this, we'll rarely feel like praying, although we can get to a place where we desire it for sure, but we commit to keep the prayers going. So find a quiet place, keep it simple, keep it honest, keep it going. And Jesus promised to meet us in prayer. He said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be open. When these verses are, are used in a wrong context, it sounds like anything you ask for, God's ready to give it to you. You know, a Corvette or whatever. Um, I'm not a car guy, so that's probably like an 80s reference, Corvette. I don't even know if those are cool anymore. So whatever, like it's you pray for something you want, you know, but that's not it. What's the context with these? This is relationship. Hey, ask. You ask for me, I'll come. You seek me, you'll find me. You knock on the door, I'll be there. This is God saying, I'm there. I'm there. I'm leaning in like a father with his child. I'm leaning in, I'm listening, right? He's delighted to come near to us. So let's pray together this week. I want to give us a little challenge. It's a little like homework or a practice if you want to do it. You don't have to do it. This isn't school. But I would encourage you that this is what we're trying to become as a family of faith. That to be part of North Langley Community Church is to say we want to be apprenticed to Jesus. We want, to actually, we want our lives to actually look different. We don't want to just come on a Sunday, take in some knowledge, do some, and then leave unchanged. We want throughout the week to be apprentices of Jesus. We want to actually practice this stuff. And so Jesus wants you to practice it. And so could you, here's a suggestion, um, take five of the next seven days, um, take five, pick five, and carve out 15 minutes for prayer. It's a great starting point. I know some of you might be praying longer than this already. That's great. You've been following Jesus for a while. That's wonderful. But if you guys are just feeling dry or you're new at this, carve out 15 minutes and spend it with Jesus. And make the time enjoyable. Your favorite coffee, your favorite tea, your favorite chair in your house, or favorite closet, or apron, whatever you choose. And you be attentive to God. Just be attentive. What I like to do is I keep a little piece of paper and a pen next to me because it immediately, as soon as I get quiet, 10 things come to mind. A meeting, a to-do thing, to-do list, blah, blah, and I just write it down. And that way I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to think about it. I put it aside. And then we just express our desire. Lord, grant us the desire to desire you. And you be honest about how you're feeling. Lord, I'm coming empty. I'm coming dry, right? And you're just honest. And then you listen. This is one of the most beautiful parts is the listening. Quiet before him and he might bring to mind a name of someone. And maybe that's a reminder to pray for them. As you listen to God, he might bring a scripture verse to you. And you just ask him, you go, is this for me? Is this for somebody else? And who knows what God might do later that day where you can use that verse to encourage someone, right? Just let him speak. It's beautiful. And as you listen, I hope that you will be filled with joy. And I want to read uh, this last week when I was spending some time quietly listening. Um, I was in Psalm 90. Psalm 90 is a great psalm. And I read these words. So encouraging. Psalm 90, 14. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love. So let me say that again. What if that was your prayer? Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love. 
that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. What if God could get a hold of our hearts? What kind of recalibration could he do? What kind of formation could he do? How would your day be radically different when you come before the living God and you say, satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love? Pour your unfailing love upon my life. I'm going to see that relationship differently. I'm going to see that person differently. I'm going to see that situation differently. I'm going to be anchored in your unfailing love. I'm here. I'm, I'm listening, Father. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love. Lord Langley, let's do this together. Let's do this as a family. Let's practice this together. And a reminder, just like you lean in to listen to those children, he's leaning in this week. He's, he's ready to listen and he's ready to speak. Can we stand together? St. John of the Cross did this very thing. I want to end with this image here. He carved out a quiet space in order to listen to the God who whispers his truth and love. Just like God whispered to Elijah. Some of you know that story. He whispered to Elijah in the cave. God is ready to whisper his love into your life. And so St. John of the Cross prepared everything. He carved out a quiet space. And then he said this, finally, finally, I'm ready to host the whispering king. Our prayer team's gonna come forward and they'd love to pray for you. And just come forward and it can be the most simple prayer. Our prayer team would love to pray for you. Just, God, I need you, I want you. I want to renew a love for you. I want you to speak to me. It can be that simple. I want to encounter you. Would you let our prayer team pray for you? That simple prayer. So, Lord God, we come to you and we thank you that you're the whispering king. You're the one that speaks to us gently, clearly. And we pray that we as a people would be attentive to your voice that we would quiet our lives down and that you would satisfy us with your unfailing love. Would you pour your love out upon us and may we be honest in this beautiful relationship that we have with you. We thank you, God. Amen.